0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. We are still in that wonderful season of Easter, the, the fourth Sunday of Easter, and the one year lectionary is called Jubilate Sunday. And it comes from our intro where we read the beginning of our service, which read, it goes, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing glory of his name and give him glorious praise. We shout for joy for what God has done. You see, this Sunday is all about finding joy in the Lord, in his work, in his love, and who he is for us, even in the midst of sorrow. This is the only type of joy that does not fade away and doesn't wane with passion and diminish in pleasure. This type of joy is an exercise in the Christian faith. As we live by faith in Christ, he fills us with joy. On this side of heaven, there's nothing that we experience that's not tainted with some sort of sorrow. Yet today, Jesus reminds us that sorrow only lasts for a little while. But joy in the Lord endures forever. When you are enduring any type of suffering or sorrow, when you're going through it, it feels like it will never end. When you're suffering for that moment, that is all that you can see and hear and comprehend. You can't see the end of it. It just is. Perhaps a good example of this is with the experience that you have when a loved one dies. Because grief can be very persistent in this life as death snatches away a person that we love and then we have to go through life without that person. How utterly painful life can be as you come across something that makes you happy only to realize that that person who you would share that happiness with is not there. And every bit of joy is struck by a moment of sorrow. It throws you back into grief as absence amplifies pain and it hurts all over again. And when you go through this, it seems like it's a never-ending cycle. You get happy, then you feel guilty for being happy. And then you have moments where you're not sorrowful for a while, and then it just pops up again and again and again. And it can be anything, not just grief as we lose someone we love. Grief is just an example. There can be plenty of things that cause us sorrow in this life. It could be a sin that we committed in our youth that never seems to stop nagging at the back of our conscience. It could be rejection from the world as we we strive to function and live within this world only to find that it doesn't seem to like us. It could be regret over the things that you wish you would have done when you were younger or the things that you wish you would have planned for. It could be physical pain. Or sickness, as we none of us get out of this life unscathed by some form of illness. Not to mention the other things that pop up in life anxiety, fear, confusion. The point is that none of us make it through this life unscathed. We all face sorrow. And very often, that sorrow clouds our perspective as we suffer. We often have the internal temptation to bend in on ourselves. We start looking inside of ourselves for solutions to our problems. And this only serves to increase our pain as we can't seem to fix ourselves and all of our problems. We can't make it better. And that makes our struggles grow and seem even worse than when we started. That's why the words of Jesus today are so important. He shows us... Where we are to look when we endure and struggle through sorrow in this life. He says, as they wanted to ask him, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I mean by saying, a little while and you will not see me? Again, in a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will leap and weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Jesus would not have us look in ourselves to find joy and relief in the midst of our sorrow. No. What brings and turns their sorrow into joy? Well, it's when they see Jesus. See, he would have us look at him. He would have us look beyond our pain, our sadness, our sickness, our grief, our sorrow, and look to him. Because he is the only true and lasting joy that we really have this side of heaven. Now see, Jesus is saying that as he gathers with his disciples, this is the night that he was betrayed. And his disciples are about to go through quite the ordeal. He knows what's about to happen to him. He's going to be arrested. Tried, beaten, and publicly crucified. And he knew this was going to be a terror to his disciples. Their hearts were going to be broken. They were going to be overcome with sin and weakness as it all happens. And that sin and weakness will only serve to intensify their sorrow. They will fail to be bold confessors of Christ that they had seen themselves as. Fear will overcome them so that they will not speak a word in his defense. They will deny him. They will abandon him. They will flee from the crowds that come to arrest him. And that will be salt in the wound as they will silently sit together after Christ is crucified on that first holy Saturday, lacking the words to console each other as outbursts of tears, anger, and inconsolable sadness would come upon them one by one. This isn't like losing a friend or a loved one. It was losing their God. It's hearing that God had died. The one who had cared for them so closely, the one whom they had staked their entire life and meaning upon and left everything behind for, had died. The one who had helped and saved so many, he was dead at that moment, most likely That Saturday, between the first Good Friday and the first Easter Sunday, was the longest day of their lives. Yet what does Jesus call this day? He says it's a little while. He says the term little while seven times in our gospel reading today. It's only a little while. And as we all know that sorrow can quickly turn into joy, what turns that sorrow into joy? Well, what makes the disciples brought from their inconsolable fear and sadness to unexpressible joy? They see the risen Christ. That's it. They see Jesus. They see that he is not dead. That seemingly unending sorrow did end when they see that Jesus had risen from the dead. That is the only thing that brought their sorrow to an end. Those tears of sadness gave way to tears of joy. You know, Johann Sebastian Bach tries to capture this moment in his cantata that he writes for this Sunday in the church year. He says this, uh, this is the rough English translation. He says, recover yourselves, my troubled senses. You make yourselves all too woeful. Leave off your sorrowful beginning." Before I drown in tears because my Jesus allows himself to be seen again. Oh joy that nothing can equal. Those tears of inexpressible pain and sorrow turn into tears that cannot be numbered in joy. The explosion of joy that the disciples experience at seeing the risen Christ immediately is dwarfed. Uh, a dwarf, or sorry, immediately dwarfs the sorrow that they experience. It did so even to the point that all the sorrow that followed them, after seeing that Jesus was risen from the dead, was dwarfed by the joy that was had at this one event. They go out as bold confessors of Jesus. They endure sorrow and suffering and pain, and they do so with joy. As we think about the disciples as they sit in prison, as we think about the disciples as they are beaten for confessing Christ, as we think about the disciples as they all go from this point into their own deaths confessing the gospel, what do they do? They count themselves lucky and blessed by God to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus. This is not because they were able to just endure it because they had toughness within themselves. It's because they were able to see Jesus with their eyes. And it's because they were able to know what the resurrection of Jesus means for them. It means that they're justified. It means that they're right with God. In Romans it says, Jesus our Lord was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And that means that the death of Jesus, which brought the disciples so much sorrow was the atoning sacrifice that delivered them from their sins. Sin is the root of all sorrow. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. And since the fall of Adam, grief and sorrow have become a part of life. Yet now, in Jesus, the cause of that grief and sorrow, our sin, has been atoned for. So that not even death has a final say and a final reign over us. When Jesus dies on the cross, every sin ever committed is atoned for. That's why Jesus says, It is finished. The debt of our sin is fully paid. The wages of sin is death. But it's not everlasting death for us. It is the death of Christ upon the cross and the resurrection that is God's amen to the fact that you are justified, you are forgiven, you are right with God. He says, You do not need to be afraid. I have indeed shown you mercy. I indeed do love you. I have allowed my son to take all of your burdens upon myself. He has carried it perfectly for you. Now come to me. Have rest from your burdens. Take comfort in all that I have done for you. Yes, you have grief. Yes, you have sorrow. But I have borne them so that in me your sorrow is short and your grief will come to an end. And the joy that I give you does not end. It is not small. It will last forever. And so as Jesus is preparing his disciples for the sorrow of his death, his words are not only, though, for those 11 men who remain in the room. They're for us, too. He's saying all of the suffering and sorrow that we experience in this life, those things are just a little while. He likens it to a mother giving birth. He says when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow, because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, I have never given birth, not possible for me, but I have witnessed the birth of my three children, and I stand in awe of my wife, And what she can endure to bring our beautiful children into this world. And certainly all of you mothers out here today know what Jesus is talking about here. Yet we all know that nothing brings a mother more joy than seeing their child for the first time. The incredible pain, the incredible difficulty of childbirth gives way to indescribable joy at holding a child. And motherhood lasts a lifetime. Most mothers forget the full extent of the pain of their childbirth. And that's why younger siblings exist. They really remember the joy. And this is how it is with all of the pain, suffering, and sorrow that we have in this life. It only lasts a little while. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it hurts. We cannot diminish any of that yet even if it persists for every moment of every day of our lives it does have an end all pain all sin all suffering it has an expiration date but you know it doesn't what does not have an end is the promises of the gospel the forgiveness life and salvation that jesus wins for us in his death and resurrection they do not fade away It says in Psalm 130, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And Isaiah says in chapter 51, It says, The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing. That shall flee away. The gifts Jesus provides for us do not perish. They do not fade away. Our sorrow, that does just last a little while, but that sorrow is never experienced for the Christian in the absence of the promises of Christ. That does not mean that we are not tempted to find our consolation and our hope and our comfort in other places. As I mentioned before, we often try to look within ourselves to find comfort and joy in the midst of our sorrow. Uh, We often do this by feeding our earthly desires, right? So often people go through sorrow only to prolong and intensify by seeking comfort in things that are just temporary. A good example of this can be drugs and alcohol. People experiencing grief and sorrow this life, what do they try to do? They try to numb the pain. They try to forget their problems, right? Yet that may help you forget your troubles for a moment. They are still there. And we can do this really with anything. It doesn't just have to be illicit substances. We can pour ourselves into work. We can dive into gluttony. We can numb ourselves and escape reality by binge-watching TV and movies. Only to get to the bottom of the bottle, the empty plate, the end of the day, or the end of a playlist to have that empty pleasure leaving you empty. See, these things may serve as a useful distraction, but ultimately they do nothing to relieve you of true sorrow. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, all these earthly pleasures and distractions do not give us unending joy. They're just finite and temporary as anything else in this life is. They come and they go. Yet we have been given something so much greater. We have been given a living hope and an eternal inheritance in heaven. As St. Peter says, he says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, because he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you hear that? Our hope is a living hope, unfading, undefiled, imperishable, guarded in heaven and kept for you. These are not things that are wasting away. These are things guaranteed and sealed by God himself. These things last forever. They're bound up in the life of Jesus who has risen from the dead. And they give us true And lasting joy. That's what Paul Gearhart's talking about when we we sing in our hymn. What is all this life possesses but a handful of sand that the heart distresses. Noble gifts that Paul me never, well, Christ our Lord, will accord to his saints forever. Everything in this world is sand slipping through our fingers. And yet Christ has a firm grasp on us and will never fail us. You see, this joy is received today. This joy is here for you today. It's received by faith in Christ alone. At the moment, we don't get to see him as his disciples got to see him on that first Easter as their sorrow was turned into joy. But St. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our faith is in Christ, who has risen from the dead. He's forgiven all of our sins. And you know what? That gives us joy. Even as we have sorrow, we have the joy of the gospel of Jesus set before us. As God places Jesus right before our eyes, he places him in the communion of the church, where those who share the hope of the gospel come together to be consoled, comforted, and encouraged by Jesus. This is where Jesus is. This is where he shows up for us as he says, For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am among them. He's here today for you. He has promised to be here in the midst of his body. And so often people will have sorrow in this life, and they think this is the time that I need to retreat from God's church as they worship the risen Christ. And in a way, I can understand why often, As people go through hard times, it's hard to be around people when you're struggling. They'll ask questions, and sometimes they uh, will, not knowing it, say something really foolish around you. On the other hand, that's not why we gather together today. That's not why we gather together as the communion of God's church. Our hope is not placed in the people around us. Our hope is placed in Jesus Christ alone. It's firmly rooted in the one who is here to help us in our sorrow as we gather to receive the undying gifts from our risen Lord. And those undying gifts fill us with joy that our lives, even though they have sorrow, and even though we have grieving, even though we have pain or suffering, fear or confusion, we know that we can come to the one who has borne our sorrows, who has given us righteousness and holiness and eternal life. As Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And he invites us to come to him and to be relieved from our sorrow. As he says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His promise is not that we experience uh, stop experiencing suffering or sorrow or struggles in this life. His promise is, is that as we live in this world, we might be comforted by faith. He knows our sorrows. He experiences them. He tells us plainly that we will have trouble in this life. Jesus says, I have had these things and I say these things to you that you may in me have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. He has put our sin to death, and he brings us, all that brings us sorrow, all that brings us sadness, we know is coming to an end. And all that remains is the joy of the gospel, as we have a foretaste of the joy as we gather today around the means of grace. Because we have joy in the gospel as we receive God's word. We have the assurance of that joy as we live in our baptism. We have the office of the keys that comforts sinners who are afflicted in any way in this world. We have the Lord's Supper as Christ stands before us in his body and blood saying, I am here for you. I give you rest. In all of these things we can see and receive Jesus through the eyes of faith. As Jesus stands before us to bring us joy. And even as we have sorrow, through our tears we can see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, no one can take your joy away from you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. You may rise.